welcome, Dan. It's such a great honour to have you on the show. Thank you for coming today and giving up your precious time. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, could you please give our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got involved in rugby and where it has led you in your life today? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, my, my parents are both Eastern European, so they were immigrants. And uh, you know, I, I grew up in London, but didn't really know what that rugby existed when I was a kid until I went until I went to senior school. Um, I always loved watching American football and contact sports and a bit of rough and tumble. So when I went to school, I found rugby, it was predominantly a, a, a soccer school, but there was a, a group of us that for some reason or other came together and, and loved rugby and we had an inspirational teacher at 12 that all introduced us to rugby and we all loved the game um, and, and, and we loved what it meant and what you know, what it cr- created in terms of a group bonding. So that was when I was 11, 12 and that's where the, the journey started in rugby and it's probably still my best memories of rugby, you know, even though you get to win World Cups, but playing school rugby is fantastic up to the age of 18. So. Yeah, that, that's where rugby started for me, and um, just you know, it's pretty difficult to summarise what it's given me in life. But you know, I'm sat here now in Monaco and had to have experienced so many amazing things in life, and it's basically it's all it's all come from rugby and, and the network rugby's created, and I suppose not just the network; it's also what rugby teaches you as a human being and as a person. So, yeah. Wow! <laughs> and were your parents sports people as well? Yes, my um, on my dad. My dad's you know very sporty when he does it. He doesn't do that much. But mm. my grandfather was European swimming champion. He was wow. a Yugoslavian and Croatian, but Yugoslav. My mum is from an athletics family, and she, as a junior, she sprinted for the Czech Republic, um, and then she basically left. She left the country when she was twenty. When the, when the maybe even late earlier actually when she was eighteen. Sorry, when the. Um, Russians invaded in the 60s um, so yeah there's, my, there's a lot of sport in my family my whole family is very sporty especially on the Czech side and the Croatian side as well so yeah it's a fantastic yeah. and I remember listening to a talk that you did at In Your Element Festival mm. you're on a panel with two Aussie cyclists yeah. Calvin Watson and Dave Tanner yeah. and you mentioned you were a bit of a rebel when you were with the English team and your speciality is running and running fast yeah. and you wouldn't go to the group trainings mm. and you had your own personal trainer how did that um, affect you with your relationship with your comrades and yeah I mean I think it, it could have come across very badly because one big thing about rugby is team and no one's bigger than the team and you know people with big egos don't last very long but this wasn't an ego thing this was about making myself the best I could be and in turn that helped the players and I think especially in the early days of rugby that was less specialized in terms of what you were doing you were grouped together in terms of training and it was still more special but as time has gone on you know people have realized the benefits of that now you have a, a coach for you know to train your eye you have a coach to ch- for chucking the line out ball you have a coach for kicking you have a coach for everything so it's become it's gone more that way and maybe I was just slightly ahead of the game in terms of how the training happened so because I wasn't, I wasn't big-headed and arrogant, and people saw I was doing it for the right reasons, yeah. and could see the, the people could see the results. That was a big thing. So it went across pretty well. Probably the people it didn't go across well with is the fitness coaches at the club because they felt like I was taking their job or threatening them, and some yeah. of the, and some of the head coaches. But again, when they saw the results, then you know there wasn't really an argument, was it, with it? And you know, a lot of it, I'd still do the team fitness sessions, but it would be. You know, I'd go and do my own weight sessions, go and do my own sprint sessions. So I was still doing, you know, eighty percent of the training with the team, and I'd do twenty percent away from it. You know, and it'd be a fitness session, and, and the rest I'd do on my own time when we had days off, and I'd do extra sessions. So 
it, it kind of worked pretty well. There was there was sometimes yeah when it, when it was a bit tricky, yeah. but um, you know for me it was uh, th- th- there was no other option. So you know, right. it was something I did, and it was I think you know like I say it was, for for me I've always been like that. It's not it wasn't just in the fitness, and we talk about health and uh, fitness as well. But for me, I had a lot of injuries, and also that that was another side that I kind of did my, did things a bit differently. You know, I went I went with the team physios to a certain extent, but when I wasn't getting the results I wanted, I'd look elsewhere and. I ended up having my own physio, which didn't go right. down very well, especially with England because we had their medical staff, but I didn't see their medical staff. Um, I did, but I didn't use them as much because right. I had specialist guys that looked after me and I went and found alternative medicines, uh, like a thing called Skinar, which is a, a Russian machine, which, uh, you know, I had a really bad injury after 99 World Cup and I was, they kept telling me I'll be back in three weeks, I'll be back in three weeks. And it was a groin injury, and every time I tried to sprint, I was about to come back. It felt like my system shut down. It was like the electric, it's like the electricity in the system just shut, and there was no power left. And then I found Skinar, and um, after seven months of never getting back within Skinar, within three weeks, I was back. So it's kind of I've always tried to think slightly differently, and it's not not differently on purpose, but think slightly differently because can things be done better for me personally or for the team? Right. Well, personally, I'm a big fan of Skinner yeah. because I used it in Australia. And one time after the tsunami in Asian countries, mm. we we had a round robin with many teams for the rugby and I had a naturopath working and he had a Skinner uh. and someone had damaged a hamstring and the guy came and had a session with the Skinner and he was like so grateful. He was like singing the praises like he said before he had the injury he couldn't touch his toes and after the skinner he could touch his toes yeah. so you're speaking my language yeah, and it's, it's amazing it's yeah amazing. I, and i used it i passed it on to a few guys in the team which saw the results and got the guys used it i probably need to go and buy one again i've not used it for a few years probably, oh. probably help my whole body now so yeah, yeah well there's Another thing now called Aquatone, okay. which is the latest Russian technology, uh, and it's the yeah. only thing on the market that resonates with the water in your cells, uh, and the frequency is a lot less even to a mobile phone, yeah. and it just walks, because some scientists today say we're 90% water, so yeah. it resonates and talks and realigns. And just slightly going off topic, but does can you use that? Just, can you like not self-medicate, but can you use it yourself, or do you have to go to someone to use it? It's similar to Skina. Uh, it's a handheld device, okay, but to, there are. Give me the info afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, talking about training and injuries, mm. how often would you train? For example, how many hours a week as a professional rugby player? Obviously, it depends on the time of the season. Um, for me, weirdly, the, my favourite time of the season was pre-season when the rugby wasn't getting in the way of training. And um, you know, for me, I loved I loved training pre-season when it was about getting bigger, stronger, faster, and fitter. You know, and by the end of that, obviously, as an international, I didn't have loads of time, so I'd probably only get six weeks. So I was lucky two months, but at the end of that time, you know, you just you, you feel like you run through a brick wall and feel amazing. Um, and once the season starts, you're kind of hanging on because you always got injuries or there's different phases of the season so for me pre-season is always the best um, and that time of the year it, it went through phases there's points where I was training twice a day um, mm-hmm. six days a week but there's points as well as as my career went on and I was having bigger, bigger longer seasons so you know I'd finish my rugby season then I'd go and tour with England and I'd get two weeks off so I knew that and I'll be back playing again within a month. I didn't have loads of time, so my training will be different. I'll probably train five days a week, but you know, three three times one, uh, twice, and one, two times once a day. 
Um, so it was about quality then it just depend it literally would depend on how much time you got coming back from big injuries and when I've got loads of time and you've got a proper three month off season you know I'll be it's twice a day um, and even in season it probably is you know a, a classic week for us would be play Saturday Sunday would be a recovery session of you know, half an hour or something um, you, you come in on Monday and you'd, you'd have a double session Monday but it'd be pure fitness probably weights and some kind of fitness or weight, weights and speed then on a Tuesday it'd probably be a heavy rugby session followed by weights in the afternoon Wednesday probably probably more like a double double um, double rugby but with uh, a fitness element in there somewhere if it's weights or speed depending on what's needed Thursday would be a day off Right. For me, always Thursday day off. I'd never have a day off. It would be for me. It'd be, an, it'd be an opportunity to go and do my sprint work and be very specific in what I do. And then Friday would be just a team run, which is a very very light session and play Saturday. Wow. So that's a typical training week. But obviously, like I say, a lot of this depends on how much you're playing, what time of the season it is, and things like that. If you're trying to, you know, peak peak into a tournament, or if you're still doing a heavy workload, you you know, you'd add extra fitness and weights on there before rugby sessions. Wow, yeah. that's huge! All yeah, that training it, it is huge. Yeah, <laughs> but I suppose ultimately you kind of get used to it. And yeah, without it, you don't feel right if you're not doing the doing the workload. Yeah, well, scientists say it's like a drug. The more exercise you do, yeah. the more happy hormones you release. So it can be addictive. But if it, without doubt, I mean, even now I haven't played rugby for ten years. But if I don't have um, if, if I don't have uh, sport in my life and that kind of adrenaline buzz or that. That kind of goal, yeah, I miss it. And I don't, I don't feel good. <laughs> I miss that. I miss that addiction of something. I've got to replace it somehow. Yeah, and I know with Dave and Calvin, you'd all recently mm. been on a crazy weekend doing some sort of extreme sports, and yeah. you were all cut along your face. <laughs> and yeah, we've, so been, we've been up in the mountains doing various things. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, you know, I get get to hang around with these guys down here. It, it, what's amazing about Monaco, I suppose, you know, people look at the the fur coats and the, and the Ferraris as one side of it, but there's very different sides to Monaco. You know, there's a, a very health and fitness orientated side and a sporty side. And there's, there's so many ex and current professional sportsmen here. And we all kind of, we do kind of mix together and we get to meet each other. And, and it's inspirational to have those guys around you. And I get to, you know, even though I'm not yeah. a very good cyclist, I'm not especially built for it. But two weeks ago, you know, Dave, Dave and uh, Calvin took me out cycling and we were with a couple of the boys. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, a couple of pros from Ineos now, which is a former Sky team. So you know, it's just oh, oh wow, yeah, exactly. You get to cycle. My mate was like, yeah, I recognise that's that's Luke uh, from the Ineos team. Uh, who, who's the other guy? You know, he, he didn't didn't know who it was, um, and it was. Um, uh, <laughs> it was one of the other pros, that, you know, yeah. world class athletes. So you don't, you know you don't, don't you don't normally get the chance to hang around and train with those kind of guys, but. Here, yeah. we, here we're very lucky. Monaco's like a hidden secret. A lot of people don't know each other, yeah. but it's fantastic that so many professional athletes mm. live here. Yeah. And good that you're meeting people of the same mind because, as you know, I'm fascinated by the mind and how it works. And to be of the level that you train at, you're so disciplined mm. and focused. You know, it's like, what makes you tick? Yeah. So... How did you transition from being a full-time professional athlete to a businessman? Mm. Because I know a lot of the athletes I've worked with haven't planned anything and they get so depressed yeah, when tricky. they leave. Well, I didn't especially plan anything. I'd always kind of had an interest in business before, so I'd done a bit of property stuff. I'd started a restaurant in the Czech Republic, started, I mean, 
everyone yeah. else did all the work I put a bit of money into it my cousins <laughs> did it all but you know I always had that interest of diversification and for me that was kind of normal because I'd had a lot of big injuries you know from my first year of professional rugby I got picked in the England squad when I was 19 or whatever, 20 years old and I bust my cruise ship before I got, got to play so you know in my head I was like oh well, you know, this could end tomorrow. Who knows what the next big injury is? And I, you know, I had I didn't have many injuries, but when I did, they were pretty major and kept right. me out for a long time. So for me, it was a normal thing to always think about something else. When I finished playing rugby at Toulon, they offered me another contract. I could have done another two years, but in my head, I wasn't quite the same player. And I had a good season the season before we won the championship, and I was like, people still think I'm pretty good. I think it's I think it's time to get out while you're ahead here. <laughs> you're doing really well. So for me, it was normal, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I thought I love the south of France. I don't want to leave. I've been to Monaco twice and I loved it, you know, and yeah. some people don't, but I came to Monaco and for me it was it felt like home straight away and I'm still here 10 years later, so I thought, right, I'm going to go to Monaco. There's not really many ex-professional sportsmen knocking around, definitely no English guys. And there's an expat community, so I'm going to go and go for a year and just see if someone will give me a job and do some work experience and find something. Um, and that was my plan, so kind well. of a plan, but not really a plan, <laughs> just hang around and see what happened. And then my first opportunity came from a guy called Rob Rutter, who was private wealth set up a new business and he was great he was great to me gave me a job private wealth wasn't for me um, it was more you know it was more about yeah. eating and drinking and lunches and dinners and not not really my thing I kind of like to be involved yeah. and active and actually try and create something if you know maybe not trading stocks and shares not creating something but in my mind it was doing something so I moved to the other side of the business which was institutional stockbroking and right. uh, so, so, so yes I had a kind of rough rough plan but I wasn't so fixed on what I was doing I wasn't doing studying for it you know I kind of let it happen organically and I fell into that in, into that seat of something I really enjoyed and then started learning the business by you know uh, there, there was guys there that were 10 years younger than me but I was getting up and getting into the office before them and making them cups of tea and being their assistants just to try and learn I wasn't getting paid but I just thought I'd do it and, right. and eventually I, you know, I made, a, made a career out of it yeah, well, I guess it would have been difficult being an exceptional elite athlete and then to go to the bottom of the rung mm. in an office. I think it is, but I think rugby for sure, but I think most sports in general, um, I don't know about soccer, but, <laughs> <laughs> no comment, but no, I think uh, most sports in general, it, it teaches you humility, um, you're... You know, unless unless you are uh, Ronaldo or someone, you know, you've, you, and even him, you know, people have hard times. You get ups and downs in sport, and it's probably more extreme than it is in any other walk of life. So I think it teaches you, like I said, especially rugby, it teaches you to be humble, teaches you to work hard, teaches you to get back up and get on with it, and you'll know better than anyone else because you can kick or a football, or you can chuck a rugby ball around, or you can run fast. Yeah, you know, you've been given a gift, and which gives you a great chance in life. But yeah, I think sport teaches you humility. So I think for a lot of sportsmen, there's no issue starting at the bottom again. Because right. again, like you said, we need that drug. Yeah. If, and it can be the sport drug, but it can be that challenge. And for me, it was like, hmm, you're 10 years younger than me. You're ahead of me, but I'm going to prove to you in a year's time I'll be better than you. you know? And that, wow. that, that was my motivation, you know, in a nice way. You know? So it was, it was fun. Yeah, because <laughs> I've listened to a psychologist speak uh, Dr. Phil Johnson and he talked, he used to work for the uh, Monaco Football Club mm -hmm. and he talked about how the importance is of being team players and how you can be an asset to any type of business because you know how to read people, yeah. observe them and move in so you can teach other business people how to be a team yeah. and collaborate. And I think you're right, I think a lot of that you you probably don't realise you have those attributes. You know, yeah. you just, it's, it's stuff that's been so naturally ingrained in you. 
yeah. over the years that you don't realise that you do have them. But yeah, most most sports people do, and the ones that don't, you see them. They stick out in teams, and they don't last very long. In certain yeah. teams, will have a bad reputation. But you know, I can say I've, I've met very few and far between guys like that. It's just they just don't really, you know, they they're, they're, they're definitely the minority. So yeah, sport does give you that. It's amazing. Right, and you were blessed to receive an MBE from yeah. Queen Elizabeth II. How was that? No, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, as part of that whole World Cup squad, you know, we won the World Cup in 2003. That team was together. 97 is probably when it started. I joined the squad in 98. We all played in the World Cup in 99, which we lost to South Africa in the quarterfinal. And I think that was a turning point for us. We were like, right, you know, everyone sees us winning in 2003. And two years before that, we were great. Or well, the year before that, we were world number one. Everyone thinks it kind of happened, you know, in those couple of years, but it doesn't. It was a five, six year process of all of us being together. Um, so for us, yeah, the, the, the whole culmination of it was the MBE, but it was it was many years of hard work, and yeah, it was it was an honour to have it. But I don't think for us, you know, it was five or six years of, of working hard and that goal of winning a World Cup, you know, and that was stages. Obviously, it was about winning a Grand Slam first and starting beating Southern Hemisphere teams in England and then start yeah. beating them in you know in their in their home countries. So there, there was a process to it all. But for us. You know, we kept it inside. We didn't really realise what was going on at home, especially yeah. even in two thousand and three. You know, we were, yeah, we obviously could see the crowds in in Australia was going mad, but we didn't realise what an effect it had back in England and how it probably changed the game. Um, and it was amazing yeah, to get the MB on top of it. it was a yeah, wow. it was a pretty special day. <laughs> and we had that day where we did the bus tour, and then we didn't get the MB that day, but we did the tour around London on buses, which was just, that was unreal. That's when it really hit home. Like, wow, we've actually had a bit of an impact here. And then obviously we went to number 10 that day and we went to the palace as well so it was a pretty full wow. on day and pretty amazing and then yeah that followed up with MB in the, the New Year's honour list the year after. I'm sure you were floating for a long time after that. Yeah well yeah, I didn't have much time to float because <laughs> I was straight to, I was straight to France uh, wow. to play for Perpignan and then right. my first game was against Wasp back in England the European Cup and Wow. Josh Lucy, one of my teammates, trying to beat me up, so it was good. No, we're, we're trying to beat each other. That's fair. That was fun, you know. But so yeah, it was it was back to reality very quickly, but it was yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, because it does affect the whole country, you know, yeah. especially passionate rugby supporters. But yeah. it makes a difference. So sure. we're very grateful to have people like you to entertain us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it, was, it was amazing. It was an amazing time. And were you able to speak French before you joined the team no. in France? No, I mean, I obviously for me, you know, I always wanted to play in France, um, and I tried to go a few years before, and I was always told by England, "Don't go, you won't, we won't pick you." So yeah. I didn't go. Um, I was offered by Toulouse a couple of times, especially when Queens nearly went down, but we managed to stay up. So uh, it was always something I wanted to do. I went because I wanted to experience a different culture and life and right. you do it through sport, you're, you know, a random English guy going to France, you accept in the community, it probably takes a bit longer, as a rugby player, you're straight yeah. in there. And for me, I wanted to learn the language, learn, you know, learn the culture. And for me, whenever I've played rugby in the south of France, I had to be in the south, it was like playing for a football team in England, you know, it, was, it, was, yeah. it meant everything to the people, the crowds were fantastic, it was just, it's just a different, completely different vibe. So for me, it was about the whole experience and I didn't speak French, but I soon learned because the first team I played for, Perpignan, I think there was five or six of us that spoke English and all right. the coaches, everyone else spoke French and none of them spoke English. So wow. didn't, we didn't even have it. Manny Edmonds was one of the players. He was the translator because he'd been there a few years. But <laughs> So you just had to get on with it and a lot of guys ended up not speaking French. But for me, you know, it's kind of... Yeah. Well, I know your, your French is exceptional yeah. because I've listened to <laughs> you yeah. commentate in the 
Monaco rugby club yeah. events and um, also do the translations yeah. and it's like boom 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 <laughs> and especially with guys like Simon Shaw who are absolutely hilarious and yeah. you manage to give that essence and have everybody in fits of laughter. Yeah, so yeah. how many languages do you speak? Actually, embarrassingly, <laughs> just just French and English really. Right. I speak a bit of Croatian but not much and no, none, no Czech which I should really speak both of them. Um, and, I did, and as a kid I did speak Czech but I think right. after a while I was like, ah, you know, like the kid I said, I don't want to speak anymore. I'm English, right. I want to speak English. So they kind of fell away, which is a shame. But yeah, fair enough. Because yeah. before the age of six, our frontal lobe is not fully developed. So we're like sponges. Uh, so if both your parents had talked to the, you in the native language, yeah. I'm sure you'd be speaking fluently in those yeah. as well. But yeah, I take my hat off to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, your mum, mum is always the best person in the world. I do not disagree. <laughs> I agree with that totally. Exactly. You know, mums are, and they always give you the best advice because you know, it's the only person in the world. Who's, you know, obviously, everyone have a lot of good friends in life that will give you advice that's impartial. But yeah. your mum gives you the most impartial advice that is just about you. Yeah. And, and you know, the best for you. So yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, talking about advice, it must have been tough when you were off injured. Mm. And did you have a psychologist or who gave you the support? Yeah, I mean, I had, I had a couple, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes from within, for sure. But psychology, you need help. I had uh, Margot Wells was my fitness right. coach and my sprint coach. And she was very influential to me. She, her husband was the last white guy to win the 100 metres in 1980. Wow. And she was a woman that changed my kind of way I trained because I, I started at Harlequins. And I went to do all the fitness tests. I did all the tests as well. You're really strong and fast. Right. Um, but your fitness is not great. So go away, do this program for six weeks, come back. This was like, you know, right when I signed, and then we're going to start pre season. We'll see how you do. Came back six weeks later. Your speed and fitness has gone down. Your fitness is really great. And I was like, yeah. I was like there's got to be something better than this. This is rubbish. Surely I can get bigger, stronger, and faster and fitter. So I went on a journey to try and find different fitness coaches. And I got down to two in the end. It was like with Tony Lester, who, ended, who I ended up working with a lot towards the end of my career. Um, who was a South England spring coach, and Margot Wells, and ended up going with Margot. Wow. Um, so I used to travel down to Guildford from London all the time and train with her, and it was it was a revolutionary for me in terms of how we trained, because it was very specific to speed and power and making me the best I could be, but also, you know, going back to the psychologist side of it, she, that was a massive part of her, and she made you feel, firstly, when you were playing, she made you feel invincible and fantastic, but when things weren't good, um, yeah, she was always there to you to wow. psychologically help you. You know, and one of the books she gave me right at the beginning was a thing called the Celestine Prophecies, which is oh yes, you know, basically means everything. Again, the, the, <laughs> for me, the history of the story was everything happens for a reason, and getting yeah. kind of so that kind of that that helped me a lot during any injuries. You know, I had an injury. Okay, so why is this happening? Well, I'm out for eight months. Okay, well uh, that means I can come back stronger and faster and bigger than other guys. So yeah. you know, I'll be training for those seven months, visualizing the person that's in my position. <laughs> I'm coming for you, and I want to be better when I come back. Yeah, and before a game, did you do a lot of vis visualization? I wasn't. I did a bit. Yeah. For me, it wasn't. It wasn't a massive, massive thing for me. Right. The, for the, everyone, everyone's different. So for me, I, you know, I, I think I, I do a lot of that during the week. Right. And I, and I do it naturally. I do it now when I go snowboarding. Now I'm like yeah. visualizing during the week, like what I'm going to do. I'm like, come on, man, you're not, it's just it's a bit of fun now. <laughs> this is how I'm built. Um, so for me, it was a lot during the week, and come actual game day. Either for me, it, was, it, it depends on how I feel, but definitely through my early career, it was about just staying calm and right. not being too nervous and just trying to chill. Yeah. The more relaxed I was, because I'd done the work. So yeah. for me, it was like, right, the work's done. You've done everything you could possibly do. Just get into a good frame of mind, be relaxed, save your energy and get out there and do it, and everything will happen. Yes, you 
I'm still visualising certain things, but it wasn't as intense as it was during yeah. the week. Um, and then, and then there become points in my career as time went on where maybe I'd be a bit too relaxed on the game day, yeah. like, whatever, because I'd be so chilled. So I've done it so many times, I'd have to build myself up. So yeah. a lot for me was just making sure my my mindset was right on game day. That was right. You know, you, obviously, you, you never know. You can have the best training week ever, and suddenly you stop the match and you feel awful. You can have a terrible training week. Yeah. And you feel great with the main. So it's, it, it's it's you know it's hard to quantify exactly what it is, but that, that was what was it for me trying to get my mindset so, right. With your mindset, when you have a bad week training, how difficult is it? Well, in a way, actually, with a, it depends what you mean by a bad week of training. But if I haven't trained well and not feeling good, or that say I didn't play well the week before and the training's been okay, it, it, it's almost you're kind of you're you're on you're on on edge. So the game comes, you're kind of fired up and the adrenaline's going. Cause you're like, come on, yeah. got, I need to perform now. I need to get this right. So you're kind of you're very you're very aware and you're very in the moment that you yeah. need to perform. So. If anything, it's like this that, that kind of bounce back yeah. syndrome. I think the tough thing as a sportsman is not when you're an underdog, not when you're under pressure. Sorry, when, when you're under pressure, stuff, but not when you're an underdog and things aren't going well. It's when things are going really well and you've won three games in a row and you've got to back it up and back it up yes. and back it up. And that's for me is a sign of a great sportsman is someone that backs it up week after week. You know, it's, yeah. I'm not saying it's not easy to, to you know to go and beat the All Blacks. It's not easy for sure. Yeah. Um, but to beat them once, it's doable. To beat them three weeks in a row, well. let's see. You know that that's mm. when you see the real, the, the real quality of a team, and that's what's what really impressed you with the England team in this World Cup. You know they didn't win the World, they didn't win, but they could quite easily could have. But, but without that, I was like, you know, take take two thousand three out. You know, it was the most fantastic World Cup we've ever had, and if anything, they're almost almost better than us. So, you know, the, some of the games they played. I mean, it, you know, I was disappointed when I see some of the press giving them a hard time. I didn't shop against Africa. I was like, mm. they, they smashed everyone. They smashed New Zealand. They smashed Australia yeah. and they lost to a great South African team in the final. Yeah. They didn't turn no, I thought South Africa was just better on the day. Well, England they made history them. against New Zealand because it was the first time that New Zealand hadn't scored in the first half. And they were go. exceptional. And, uh, and New Zealand were lucky to score in the whole game and we could have scored another three tries. You know, We could have beaten them by 40 points. So, yeah, yeah I thought they were, I thought they were you know, absolutely amazing. Um, so you talked about being calm. Do you meditate, for example? I do, not enough, um, but I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy. It. I use. I actually use an app called Calm a lot. Um, right. It's really good. Tamara Levitt is her name. She's really good. So I like her. I've used different ones, but I like her. I like her voice and stuff. So yeah, I do do it, um, and I do it after if, I, if I'm doing stretching. I mean, I call it yoga, but my yoga is very kind of stretch orientated and re- relax oriented. So I finish with a bit of meditation at the end of that, and I think for me it's fantastic. It's something. I have to kind of force myself to. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to do it. I'm going to do something else. But it, you know, it takes no time at all, and the yeah. benefits of it are amazing. You know, especially for someone that's kind of quite hyped up about stuff in general and wanting to be out there. So to take ten minutes just to relax and you know, switch yeah. off is, uh, I think, it's fantastic. So for a, a new professional young rugby player coming through, mm. what advice would you give him? I mean, it's tricky. I mean, I think. Um, <laughs> Like all these things, it, it's a journey, and it's it's really about understanding yourself, um, yeah. and that's why and it's another thing. But as you get older, you start to understand your body, and you know your body, and yeah. what, what works and what doesn't. So, I'd say uh, you get the right team around you for sure. But you've got you've got to start, and you are you, intuition tells you a lot. You know how you're feeling about things, yeah. and you've got to try and work out what things are good for you, what things aren't. So you know, yeah. certain certain players will train too much during the week and get overexcited, and they're not ready on a game day. You know, certain yeah. players won't do enough so you, I think a lot of it is 
I can even give you know, the bog standard advice of work hard, you know, this, that, this. But yeah. you know, you've, for me, the biggest thing really is understanding yourself and understanding your body and your mindset and what work out what works for you and understand when things don't go well, what things you can change to help you. you know? Right. Because for, every, for everybody, it's different. For me, you know, it was every game I played about getting into the. You know, it's probably the same for a lot of people, but getting into the game early. Or if I didn't feel, if something didn't go well do something to make yourself feel good and that adrenaline goes and then suddenly you're back in the game and you're in there, you know. But if you can sit back and start moping about it, it's just going to get worse, it's not going to get better. So, no, for me, it was definitely, a, for me and the biggest advice I give is about knowing your body physically and mentally um, and, how, and how you're feeling and what you need to do to make yourself feel good from that point. Right. Tell me one thing you wished you'd known sooner when you started. Um, what I'd known sooner? I, I think... Even though I was very specific in what I did, it was to be even more specific in, in, in the skills I needed and what I could have what I could have achieved. Right. It's one thing in particular, but I talk about. But with England, we spent so much time doing kicking training, and for me, it was, I personally, it was a complete waste of time for me. Not complete. I could have done ten percent of it, and I would have got the yeah. same benefits. But we spent half an hour after every session kicking, which tired you out. Right. For me personally, it was so. For me, the thing I learned earlier is being specific about the skills you need to be better and concentrate yeah. on those. So, if there's you know these group things we're kicking, I should have been going and doing practicing sidestepping or practicing a high ball or practicing my speed work. And you know those that that extra ten minutes of session that builds up and makes a massive difference at the end of the game. Or for me, it would have been instead of kicking a ball, I should have been playing number ten. You know, and practicing stepping in at number 10 which Carla Quinn's had me do quite a lot towards the end of my career mm. but with the speed and power I had I could have done it much earlier you know, I always offered myself and played in different positions but you know, it's just the things that could have that I could have improved as a player and still things I look back oh, I wish I'd done a bit more of that because I could have been even better and I could have maximised been the best I could have been and, that's, and, and, and to be the best you could have been is not just about going and running around the field and you know, doing the hard yards it's about being very specific in what skills you need to improve right and how do you compare that to business? Because I know you're successful at yeah. Tavira now. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's been a very simple transition in terms of take, take away that it's, it's a different career in terms of, yeah, I'm dealing with numbers and, and trading stocks and shares. Um, but it's for me, it's, it's, a, it's very, everything, everything else is very similar in terms of teamwork, right. in terms of being in a team, but still, you know, you can talk about being a team as much as you like. But the team is made up of the individuals, and each individual needs to be performing at their best. So that's why you need this individual time and team time. But individual yeah. time is just as important to develop each person the skill set they need and recognizing what each person is good at, what they need to work on, you know, work on the things you're good at, work on the things you're not good at. But everybody's different, and yeah. that makes a team even stronger if you make those individuals better. Um, so yeah, I think for me it's been it's a very it's been it was a very smooth transition in terms of mindset. The mindset didn't really change. It was a similar thing again. Start again. Be the best you can be. How right. am I going to be the best I'm going to be? What do I need to do? What do I need to work on? Where do I need to read? Don't get me wrong. I spent loads of time. Yeah. Loads, loads of the time is wasted. Discovering what you need to do. That's you know it's easy to say oh yeah go and work on your skills or go and you know work on your accounting, but discovering what that is you need takes long. It takes years. Right. You know, and that can be in business and that can be in sport so you know I'm in, in trading I'm like some people are very analytical some people use use um, uh, momentum some people use technical analysis so it's finding all, all, all the different aspects of sport or business that are potentially important and potentially a, a good input and seeing which ones you enjoy and which ones are specific to you that you can you can develop as yeah. a skill and that, and that takes time it doesn't I, I, 
I can I can show you the options. Oh yeah, maybe you want to come and work with a trader. Well, these are the you know, these are the five six areas you need to work on. These are things you need to know. But you're going to know. You you need to research them all yourself. Try them all yourself and see which ones fit you best and where you think you can fit and where you can learn more and where you can be more. You know, you you can add more. So yeah, so people can help you. But ultimately, yeah. a lot of it's up to you to go and do so the hard yards you, yourself. Yeah. yeah, but no, you got the support network's important and having people that are more senior than you. Like now, if I would was training with a young kid that wanted to be a winger for England. Yeah, I can help him massively, yeah. and I, but I can and I can lead him in certain ways and give him advice. But yeah. a lot of the decisions will ultimately be his. Which, which yeah. you know, and I think it's important to take ownership of yourself. And in life in general, who or what has inspired you most? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, we talk about your mum, but uh, my parents for sure. But my dad is very chilled and quite spiritual and relaxed. Like, I remember when I was young, he'd be like listening to like South American pipe music, and my mum would be like, "What is he doing?" So <laughs> they're very opposite people. I've got both of them inside of me, so I've got the spiritual, very chilled side for my dad. Yeah. Like, not really fussed about anything. Nothing phases him. Money, anything. He's not really bothered. <laughs> Just gets on with it. Even though he's a very, very smart guy and very driven, he's great with numbers and he's a good businessman. But mum is like the you know Eastern European Czech who you know, wants you to do the best and and got that that hunger and desire to perform. And, yeah. And, and yeah, to succeed in things you do, and maybe a bit too much sometimes. Right. She's always wanting you to be better and better and better. But that's why it kind of works that balance between the two. So for me, my parents have been amazing, and it's not even they were never pushy because they had nothing, so they were working their whole lives. You know, even they they sent me yeah. to private school, but they gave every penny they had to do that. They were borrowing to let me to go there, and eventually I got a system wow. place. But so yeah, I think for for me, they they've been inspirational, and they and they still are to me now, even though they probably don't realise it. But yeah, they are, and they're both amazing aspects aspects to me that's fantastic <laughs> well thank you so much for giving up your precious time today oh, and pleasure. i'm sure the listeners are going to really enjoy loving your story and now you're working at Taveria, would yeah. you like to say something about it or share anything or yeah, i mean i mean Taveria is kind of yeah it's a it's a great firm where i work at the moment i started i started there it's, it's got different aspects so i started there as a broker dealing dealing with hedge funds and that's you know, one thing I'd say about life, you, what, which I, one thing I've learned about life is you can reinvent yourself as many times as you want. And for me, that's part of the beauty of it. I loved playing rugby. I yeah. could have stayed in rugby, but I didn't want to. I wanted to do something different. So I went and did finance and I started as a broker and I was broker for 10 years. Now, the last two years, I set up a hedge fund, which again is a very different skill set. It's still in finance, but it's a very different skill set and very different pressure set. But I'm, you know, 45 and starting a new career again, really. Or when wow. So, but I love it. Um, and yeah, so that's what I'm doing for two now. I run a long short equity fund. So if anyone wants to invest, give me a call. Um, we're doing, you know, and it's been and it's been a great few years. We've you know, been making good money. But for me, again, it's about just a new challenge in life and succeeding. And that's whatever yeah. that is, you know, winning the trade, but and learning. You know? Fantastic. And what's your website so uh, people can contact you? Com. You okay. go to monograph.com or you go to uh, yeah, taviramonaco.com. Okay. They're both on there. So, yeah. I'll put it on the write-up as well. Thank you. So thank you. Pleasure. And I, who knows what the future has in store for you, but I wish you the very best for future endeavours. Thank you very much. And I wish the very best for everyone that's listening.